You're listening to the Styling Advisory Podcast, the only show exploring the business of personal styling and how stylists are helping retailers to personalize customer experiences. We're interested in how styling leaders have built a successful business and what retailers are doing to capitalize on the styling client community. If you're a personal stylist currently avoiding doing the marketing activity on your to-do list today, schedule your tea and chat with founder and host Sarah Cohen via the website. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Styling Advisory Podcast. Uh, Today, we get to chat with the beautiful Donna Cameron, who is a personal stylist based in Melbourne, Australia, who specializes in ethical fashion, sustainability, and social justice. Welcome, my friend. Thank you very much, Sarah. Lovely to be here. Well, it's great to have you here. And and, uh, of course, we always hear the term sustainability um, thrown around within the retail industry. So what I thought I'd do, just to make sure that everyone understands the level of expertise that you have in this area, I'm just going to run through some achievements. Okay, so in 2015 to 2017, you were the president of the AICI, Melbourne Chapter, the Association of um, Image Consultants International. Then I see you were the Associate Editor of AICI Global Magazine for three years. In 2017, you co-founded Fashion by Foot, which we'll talk about later, which is those ethical fashion walking tours. In 2018, you were the lead stylist for the Melbourne Fashion Week event, Access to Fashion, featuring models with disabilities exclusively, which is incredible. In 2019, the NGV has invited you to speak at the Colour Education Enrichment Program. And then in 2021, this year, you launched your book, Colour, The Secret to Creating a Sustainable Wardrobe, as part of the NGV's Melbourne Design Week. But as we continue, we've now got awards. The United Nations Award, I repeat, the United Nations Award for producing River of Dreams, a documentary about the proposal to flood Aboriginal land to grow unsustainable cotton crops. And that film won Best TV Environmental Reporting of 2000. And you are a climate champion for Better Futures Australia. So suffice to say, when we say that you specialise in ethical fashion and sustainability, we really mean it. <laughs> Sarah, thank you for that lovely introduction. And you have done your homework. Yes, uh, I can't believe that. It, it just sounds um, like I've been very busy when you read all of that out. And the United Nations Award is not something that I really talk about very much because I, I did used to work in film and TV. And it really took a conversation with you um, to realise that there's quite a link between that award and the documentary that I co-produced and what I'm doing now with ethical and sustainable fashion. So I have you to thank for that and bringing it to the fore again. Oh, look, my absolute pleasure. Whatever I can do for the planet. Now, I think what, what what I wanted to chat to you about today is the concept of personal styling and how personal stylists that are focused on sustainability, ethical fashion, social justice, what that actually means And I wanted to hear your thoughts on the industry in general. I understand that a sustainable approach to fashion and to shopping might be the brands that you choose to support or, in fact, the way that you shop and what you do with your clothing. So tell me a little bit about the the personal styling business that you run now and how it is a vehicle to continue this ethical fashion support and sustainable initiatives. Sure. Okay. So um, I trained with Carla Mathis um, back in, I think it was 2010. 
correct me if I'm wrong, Carla, <laughs> it was a while ago now. And I, I trained as an image consultant um, rather than a stylist. I don't actually call myself a stylist. Um, and that is because as an image consultant, we uh, work more with the person's values and where they want to go in life rather than just dressing the person. So we're putting the person first and then the clothes, whereas a stylist often is employed by a brand and they put the clothes on the person. So a bit of difference there. And as you said, I do have a background in social justice. So I'm very um, people-focused and I've I've worked a lot with uh, people with disabilities, as you mentioned, and also with mental illness um, in a number of capacities. So getting back to your question, uh, yes, I, I've trained as an image consultant my most popular service is colour, so I work with people to um, help them to understand what colours suit them. And it's it's not a limiting thing. I recommend approximately 50 colours um, for a person, so it's actually quite liberating. And once they understand colour, they can use that as a framework in which to purchase. So that, that you know, just in itself is, is quite sustainable. Um, I also do the regular personal shopping, whether it be online or in person. I do wardrobe consultations and I also work a bit more in depth with people around body shape, um, textures, scale and proportion. So I'm really sort of looking at the body as as a piece of art really and, and recommending things that will work for that body. So it's those things that I do and I just think that it's um, once we, we know more about what suits us, it's easier not to um, just buy things because they might work and, and because they're cheap. Um, it's really important to sort of have an informed strategic process for buying clothes. Yeah. So that for me as someone who um, is probably not the most sustainable shopper, as you know. I'm trying to convert you, Sarah. I know. And you're very close yeah. to, I've got to say. I understand as a consumer the the opportunity for people like me to at least start to contribute to a more sustainable um, shopping practice by simply knowing what suits you and how to create beautiful outfits from your inherent colours and, and body shape so you don't buy clothing that then sits in your wardrobe that you then end up giving away, which ends up in landfill. So that's kind of, if I sort of have a look at the concept of sustainable shopping, that would be the first thing. Just buy smarter. You don't have to buy less, but just buy smarter. So you're wearing what you do purchase. It's actually being utilised. But what you do is so much more powerful uh, in addition to that. Talk to me about these, the, the walking tours. You're probably the first image consultant that has shown me that there are independent, sustainably created or sourced fashion brands and designers that create the theatre that I like in my clothing because I imagined that sustainably sourced and made um, products were quite dull. And I'm just saying that as a general consumer, you know, because it's it's not something that I've specialised in. And, I'm, and I would say that so many styling clients would be the same. We, we don't know what's available and we don't know um, where to find these brands aside from Google searching sustainably made T-shirts. So tell me about your walking tours. Okay, so in 2017, um, I um, I began. Well, I just I just put it out there as a one-off, actually, a one-off event on Eventbrite. Um, listed it, it sold out, and it was just about 
getting a group of women together. Uh, we do run a tour for men as well, but initially we began with women and that's our primary audience. So it's myself and another stylist, and I think she is happy to call herself a stylist. And we, we just thought we'd take people around to the local independent designers. We were in a warehouse at that stage in Fitzroy, a really funky sort of edgy place to be, and with designers. Um, so we, we would see fabric coming in and, and patterns up on the wall and then, you know, in a few days they'd be transformed into wearable objects, you know, exciting for someone like me um, who can't sew but loves clothes. Um, so, yeah, we just thought we'd take people to introduce them to these local independent designers and take them behind the scenes and, and show them how fashion is made and all of the different steps that goes into it. So a person will have the opportunity uh, wherever possible to meet a designer and ask questions of them. And um, by that, we hope that people will really appreciate the work that goes into creating fashion and stop and think about, okay, well, if I am buying the $5 T-shirt, hmm, how can that actually be so when you, you know, you've got to grow cotton, you've got to harvest the cotton, you've got to weave that cotton, you've got to dye it, you've got to transport it, somebody's got to create a pattern, somebody's got to cut it and sew it and then it's got to be transported to a retail outlet. How can that happen for $5? Surely there are people getting ripped off, ripped off along the way. Good question. So that's sort of what we what we were doing with those tours but as well as just showing people around and introducing them to different independent shops, but also teaching them a little bit about why sustainability, why ethical, why it's important. Plus, we're teaching them a little bit about themselves. So we are their personal stylist or personal shopper for the day, and they can ask our advice on anything that they might like to try on. We don't take commission deliberately. We don't want to take commission. We're much happier just for people to to buy nothing or to buy, away, uh, buy something and walk away looking good. That's interesting. I didn't actually know, and I probably should have, that not only are you taking people to these independent boutiques and designers, um, that you're actually, there's that education piece behind it. So everyone's understanding this is actually what it takes to create the garments. Perhaps I shall think about that before I step through the doors of Zara again. So I will take that on board. What is ethical fashion? Because I know that when we first started speaking, I throw the word sustainability around, but but really the ethical component in your focus um, has more of a, a human-centred um, um, meaning, I think. Can you explain what ethical fashion means? Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, I'm going to, to read a, a definition that the... Um, the V&A, the Victorian Albert Museum, used. I was fortunate to go there a few years ago when they had a fantastic um, exhibition on all around sustainable and ethical fashion. And so they use ethical fashion as an umbrella term to cover the design, the creation and retailing, so all of those aspects, and covering the issues, fair trade, which we all know about in terms of food and coffee in particular, the working conditions uh, of the people making our clothes, uh, the environment as well as animal welfare. So the way that I look at um, sort of uh, sustainability and ethical fashion interlinking is there are ethics and ethics are only possible because we can act against our, our nature based on our conscience. Us humans have consciences. We can choose one path or another. We can weigh things up. So that makes us fairly unique and it stops us from simply 
describing what's likely to happen and allows us to make judgments about maybe what should happen. So of the choices we have, which is the best way to act? Um, mm-hmm. Which one should we bring into reality? So that's ethics. As that wording comes from the Ethics Centre, which is a non-profit organisation in Sydney, and I think that's a really, a really great way to look at it. Um, so it's about okay, what are our choices now? Sustainability to me fits within ethical fashion. So ethics is about yes, not being in denial about the way fashion is made, and choosing to purchase in a better way. Like. I love clothes. I have a big wardrobe. I love clothes. But all of my clothes are loved. All of my clothes are worn. And they're all, well, there are a few things I've had forever and ever, but there are now, um, whenever I buy, there's um, there's a reason for buying. So I want to talk to you about different facets of uh, sustainable or ethical fashion. So as I said, the ethics is sort of that umbrella term um, and then sustain, but, but not all ethically produced fashion is necessarily sustainable. I'll explain. Yes, so, do. Uh, as noted from the vacant <laughs> stare on my face. I don't understand. <laughs> it is it is complex and, you know, it's something that I had to get my head around too. So I've deliberately worn particular things for you today. I know not everybody is seeing what I'm wearing, but I'll describe. I've got um, a sort of a salmon pink or corally pink organic linen blazer on and an organic linen T-shirt on. Now, they are from a mainstream brand. It's Country Road, but they're organic linen. Country Road just used to be really good, and then they were really crap for ages and just created things very poorly, but they they knew that they had to turn their business model around, so they have done that now. So I'm happy to buy from a mainstream retailer that is doing things well. So that's sustainable organic cotton and now I'm also wearing some jewellery that um, a Melbourne woman made Angela Clark now we've got Swarovski crystals uh, that one <laughs> and that one not sustainable but it's made ethically okay I'm also wearing some gold leather shoes which I'm not going to show you <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can show me later because I really want to see them <laughs> well, <laughs> another time, but they're made by hand. They're designed here in Melbourne by Karen Booker and she has a small factory in Vietnam make them up for her and she does very small runs. She never overproduces. So in a way that is ethical and sustainable. Ethical because she works with the factory and she's close to them and she knows that nobody's being whipped or locked in a hazardous building where, uh, you know, that could catch on fire. So we're not talking about slave-like conditions, but they are made of, sure, um, in small runs. So that's a really fantastic thing. The skirt I'm wearing is similar colour to this, and it's a a beautiful um, sort of woven piece. Again, I'm not going to stand up and show you, but I bought that secondhand. It's in perfect condition. It's lined. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So that is sort of an ethical way of buying. So all of these different things have an element of ethics they're not all sustainable but they all certainly have an element of ethics so to find a piece of clothing that ticks all of those boxes is going to be very difficult you know Mm. we're talking about the whole manufacturing process you know growing growing the the raw material the way that the workers are treated and then um you know whether it's an oversupply or 
whatever. To do all of that is very difficult. There is one um, brand doing that called Arnsdorf. I think I know that brand, surprisingly. Yep, yep. No, well, they, uh, they're in um, Melbourne Emporium. They're doing quite well. Um, but Jade, the woman who began that brand, she had a label and then she she sort of educated herself a bit more about ethical and sustainable fashion. She shut down her brand and started again. She redesigned everything from scratch, all of her business processes. Wow. So that is a really admirable brand who's doing well. There are some smaller independents in Melbourne who are doing quite well, but it's very, very difficult to tick all of those boxes. So I guess you have to, you know, when when you're buying ethically or sustainably, you want to think about what's more important to you. So as you said, I'm big on social justice and, and the human factor. So for me... I'd rather people were treated honourably, respectfully, <laughs> um, yeah, um, fairly. and, uh, you know, fairly. Mm-hmm. The people who make our clothes are, are not being whipped or, you know, there are really horrendous situations um, that people are working in to make clothes that we possibly don't need. Um, so that's very dear to my heart, more so than the environment. Look, I agree with you and I think that, if we think about the business of styling, a lot of stylists and image consultants and personal shoppers listen to the show and uh, whether they outwardly involve sustainable messaging in their brand, um, you know, and, and are known for that um, speciality or whether it's just part of their internal, um, you know, ethos. I still believe, and I've said this to you a lot, I feel like more customers, more clients would be open and interested in sustainably driven shopping and and brands if the awareness piece was there. And what I mean by that is the fast fashion brands have a lot of budget. They create a lot of exciting content. You know, we're trained into this principle of new, fun, now, um, and and you get, you know, you're satiated. You get that hit of dopamine every time and it's all fabulous. Whereas historically, sustainable brands, based on the fact that, you know, 10, 20 years ago, they they were very limited, meaning that the styles were also very general. And for all of us now, we're so, so, as consumers, so interested in everything being highly personalised, including the, the inventory that's available to us, that the thought that I would just, if I wanted to wear sustainable brands, I'm walking around in the same sort of the linen top that everyone in the world is wearing. Like that it just doesn't suit me. And I've spoken to you about this before. I like, as I said, a little bit of drama, a little bit of fun. So I think the first challenge for clients is they don't know where to go, which is why working with a personal stylist or an image consultant, you again, you are the repository of all of these interesting brands. I think we every one of us would make a comment on your outfit every time we see you. And it's just from a new independent designer with a beautiful backstory, ethically made. It's really interesting. So where do we go to find out more? Do we do you think it's it's starting to work with stylists to be the conduit between the sustainable fashion world and the customer? Well, I think that is definitely one way to go because, you know, a, a good stylist will know um, where to go. Can I just talk about the bespoke thing, though? Yes. I hate I hate looking like everybody else. Even wearing this from Country Road together is a bit of a risk for me because I can't stand the idea of, look, of wearing the same outfit as somebody else might be. Yeah. The independents, they will actually create the bespoke piece for you. 
you can specify, yes, I love that dress, but could I have a bit shorter or longer or could I have it in blue instead of green? That is the beauty of the independence. But the first thing that comes up for me almost subconsciously is, Christ, how much is that going to cost? So that's the other barrier, I think. Yep, and in some cases it's significant, but it depends on the piece. If the piece is not that difficult to make, then it's not going to be significantly more. And in some cases it's not more at all. Mm. And that was probably the biggest surprise for me. What's the striped dress, that fabulous designer that we're eventually going to get to? Oh, yeah, the striped dress by Nevada Duffy. Oh, my God, I have to confess, Sarah, not only do I have the original one, I have a second dress and now the top. There's three strip things from Nevada Duffy that I have. I am addicted to that. Yeah, part of me wishes that I hadn't actually just told everyone because it's like it's this special secret, that, you know, these independent designers that have the creative flair and the artistry of, you know, your couture designers in Paris, but they're doing things that are better for the planet and it doesn't, you're not completely priced out. So it's interesting. Tell me this, the the clients that you work with, are they coming to you because they've said, right, I've got my shopping styling issues, but I'm coming to you because I want to start becoming a little bit more of an ethical shopper? Or are they just coming to you because of your um, sort of knowledge of independent designers? Good question. Initially, I think my clients just came to me because I was local. There's not that many people in the sort of in an urban area doing what I'm doing. So that's that's one thing, you know, location, I think that's one thing. Um, as I built up experience and as I built up my name, I think, you know, people look for somebody who has been around the block a few times yeah. and not just starting out, so that's been good. Um, I do reveal quite a bit about me on my website and people read um, and, and like that, I, you know, my values. They like that I've worked with people who have disabilities and mental illness. They like my social justice um, background. And so I think that's a part of it too. It would be, for sure. I'm not going to attract everybody, obviously. Um, You know, I'm not perfectly groomed. I'm a little bit (laughs) eclectic. (laughs) Um, But that's the way I like it. And, um, you know, occasionally I get those sort of people coming to me, but but not, not usually. People... In most clients I meet, I actually want to be their friends, you know, friends with and develop a friendship with. Uh, I think people people know who to reach out to. You know, people um, people get a sense of who you are if you if you reveal that. And I know you're you're very into um, into people doing that, Sarah, um, to to demonstrate their unique, you know, ISP. Um, so that's who, the, who you are. I think that's really yes, a different yes. because if I look at the cross section of, of image professionals that um, that list sustainability as one of the driving forces or one of their values, if I then look at all of them from a marketing and branding perspective, it is not always clear immediately that that is one of the driving values. And as you said, People are actually unconsciously making decisions. Their nervous system is responding to clues or signals that you're giving off in all of your content. And I know you and I know the content you create in everything you do. It's it's not just a um, it's not just a superfluous image. There is a story. This is who I'm with. This is why we did it. This is what I care about. And what happens is naturally you will attract people that share those values. So I, I think that really is quite strong. For, for stylists listening that want to build their client base 
focusing in this area, it's one thing to care about something, but it's quite another to make sure that that's reflected in all of your marketing touch points all the time. Yes, you really do need to walk the talk. You need to be authentic, not just pretend to be authentic. You you really need to do it. Yeah, and there's a story, I think, also, again, when people say, oh, yes, no, look, I want to shop more sustainably, there's a real story behind why that matters to you and what that means to you. As we said, well, we've thought about ethical fashion and how sustainability fits into that and what you've done, what what actually, what proof points from a brand perspective, what have you done to show your community that you do in fact care about it? So the walking tours where you're supporting local designers and educating people on manufacturing processes to make them question pricing, the awards, the film that you've done, like you've genuinely built up a portfolio of almost philanthropic activity that supports your brand values, which I think is really impressive and inspiring for others. It was really interesting for me, um, you know, and that was, as I said earlier, partly through our conversation to see the thread that's, you know, because I've had numerous careers, as I said, you know, there's been the um, the film and TV one, which is mainly working on documentaries and um, there's been leading big government projects and um, working with people with disabilities, as I said, and just seeing that thread, I guess I, yeah, I was I was brought up to appreciate social justice and brought up um, not to be wasteful. So it's interesting, isn't it? When you look back, you know, once you've reached a certain age and you look back and you sort of see these threads. You do, you do. It's experiences that have shaped you and defined you. And and I sort of often talk about um, that is in fact what is unique as a for, for image professionals. You are your brand. And that that storyline, that origin story, that's your brand. And that's what you want to communicate to your audience because you will be attracting people that have a similar set of values or vision for the world which is an interesting way of thinking considering what we normally do is we say, okay, who do you want to attract? What clients do you want? Let's just, now let's, we're going to imagine what they care about. We might do a little market research, but we're just, we're going to try and create content to attract them rather than going, hold on, I am my own uniquely rich brand. If I just talked about stuff I care about and I did that well, I'm going to attract other donors, other other people, other people that share, that go, wow, that's fascinating. Tell me more about that movie that you created about flooding waters or unsustainable cotton crops. You know, like people that genuinely care about the same things that you do. And I think that you are now in a position where you have a business where you get to spend time with people that care about the same things and you're all contributing to a greater cause, which ultimately is what we're all trying to do. Mm, Absolutely. I've spent many years working in corporate and I know some people love working with the corporate client, but I couldn't think of anything more boring than going back there and doing that again. I feel like I really, you know, found to, you know, what I want to do and, and in, in a way that um, that really works for me. Um, when I was first training, not with Carla, but with, you know, you're sort of mentored by certain um, people in the industry and thinking, oh, gosh, I could never do it like them and I don't feel like I'm quite right. You know, I didn't feel like I was really going to get into the role, but it was only when I stopped looking at what everyone else was doing and did it my way that I started to enjoy it. That's a really good point, Donna, and and I wonder whether, I mean, nearly every single image professional I speak to, and look, for most of us, we're human beings, we naturally compare ourselves to others and we want to make sure that that we're, you know, are we doing enough, are we doing it right? But 
when you are solely focused and clear on what it is your what your vision is, what you are trying to do on this planet and what your mission is, you know, how are you going to achieve that? It actually becomes irrelevant. You're not competing with anyone because you're driven by your own compass. So I think for you, knowing that you are so passionate, genuinely, spiritually, not, you know, religious, but from a soul perspective, you care. Yeah, yeah, from the core. core. Yeah, that, that, that touches you. That's something that drives you. So I'd imagine you wouldn't compare yourself at all to others because it's, it's an irrelevant, redundant concept. You are here to do what you believe in. And the way that you're going to do that is through the services of styling. Yeah, once I arrived at that position, I just felt so much better and and things just flowed so much more easily. It's like, yes, it can be me. It's great. I remember once upon a time when I started doing colour consultations, the idea was to um, be connected to a makeup brand or two and to, um, you know, show the client how to make their face up using particular colours and then to try and upsell that makeup. Oh, I hated it. I really hated it. And I thought that I hated doing colour consultations. And then, it, you know, it twigged. Ah, actually, I can just leave that whole makeup thing aside. Yeah. I do comment yeah. on people's colours, but I don't fumble around trying to do their face because I'm not a makeup artist by any stretch. And as soon as I stopped doing that, it's like, oh, I love colour. Colour's my thing. Isn't that interesting? Again, I wonder whether a lot of image professionals feel that they have to offer certain services and that the natural ways to scale a business or expand into different verticals or, you know, build different partnerships is the sort of stock standard way and there's no other way around it. I I wholeheartedly believe, as you've done, that you can create whatever business model you want. These walking tours that you've created are so cool. Strategically, they're brilliant. But for you, it's just a fun day out, you know, and and yet that gets to be, that's your work. How amazing. It really is a fun day out. Yeah, we always kick off with a, a glass of bubbly or locally produced beer or whatever people want and then, and we you know, get to know people. And it's often people from interstate sometimes locals, um, sometimes internationals. We've been featured in, um, you know, international publications. Oh, wow. Um, things were going really well until lockdown. And, Bloody COVID. But anyway, we're, we're back on track again now, thank goodness. Yeah. But, um, it really is a fun day out and we make it a cultural day too. It's not just about fashion. We'll, we'll point out, you know, different landmarks and tell stories about the neighbourhoods we go through and if people want, we'll we'll um, have lunch included. Um, you know, that's an optional extra, but we always go somewhere really nice for lunch, you know, one of Melbourne's top restaurants because Melbourne is a cultural city. Oh, and yes. So we really embrace that, you know, it it's is. a full cultural, fashion, art, foodie, wine experience. Yeah, so if you kind of capped off the day with a toasted bloody ham for karcher, it would be a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, we've got to keep it, you know, up there. The standard's got to be good. And, and Melbourne, I mean, you couldn't think of a per- more perfect city for that. You know, it, it really is the culture of fashion, food and wine. And so I just, I wanted to leave our listeners with the with just a reminder that people like you, Donna, are creating businesses and services that are completely by your own design. You know, you're not bound by the parameters of the image industry as long as you know what you care about, what you stand for, you can create whatever it is that you want and people will bloody love it because there's enough people out there that are looking for exactly what you've got. So well done. Thank you very much. Thank 
you. Thank you. Yeah, my I love. love what you do, as I know you do. I do, as we as we know. I I bloody love it. I love it. And it took me such a long time to get here. But again, it's almost like once you give yourself permission to identify and articulate what you care about, what your passion is, and just do it and ignore everything else because we're no one's competing with anyone. We're all just we're all just part of one big community. The joy that you feel can be shared by others. It can be felt by others. And that also makes customers find out more easily who you are, what you care about, and whether they want to work with you. So Donna, thank you, my love. Thank you for sharing all of your stories. Always lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much, Sarah. You've been listening to the Styling Advisory Podcast with Sarah Cohen. If you're enjoying the vibe, you can join our community of styling experts at the Styling Advisory on Instagram and Facebook. And you can watch these interviews on our YouTube channel, Styling Advisory TV. Please be sure to rate, review and subscribe to our show so Sarah can spend more time on the mic.